Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. I want us to pray in a second, and I want to uh, I want you to ask the person next to you, say neighbor. If it's possible, I'm gonna become even more attractive. I mean, if it's possible, if it's possible. Our message today is becoming more attractive. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for every man, every woman, every family represented, every young person represented. God, those who even watch online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help me. Help your people. Unlock them to be all they're called to be. Unlock us to be all we're called to be. Lord, flow into us and flow out of us. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Jesus. Unlock what must be unlocked so you can fill me and flow out of me. In your mighty name I pray. Come on, in your mighty name I pray. And a church alive said, come on, a church alive said one more time. Let's give the Lord a hand in the house of God. Grab your seats. Grab your seats. Thank you, worship team. Um, last week I began a two-week series. That is a mini-series. Uh, I normally do four-week series and six-week series, but last week I began a two-week series where really the Apostle Peter tells the church that they had to be so filled with hope, literally that people were to ask them, why are you hope-filled? And then he says to them this interesting thing. He says, I want you to answer in a gracious and attractive way. So literally, you're to be so attractive and you are to answer in an attractive way. Well, how many of you know that sometimes life doesn't work out like you thought? I was driving, uh, picking up my kids Friday afternoon. And Friday afternoon, you're hoping to get in, get out because sometimes the places packed there's more uh, traffic on the roads I find and I got a flat tire anyway I pumped up the flat tire with my mouth no I'm kidding <laughs> and I, I take it to the gas station pump it up 30 minutes later I look at my tire again it's absolutely it's almost completely done I change it thankfully there was another person how many of you know it tests your manhood sometimes when your tire gets flat and you're like shoot I've never done it on this car before but anyway I had to lean a little bit on another man who knew a little bit more than me and I was like oh my goodness if it wasn't for him <laughs> but anyway when you change your tire in your car it's always an uglier tire isn't it it's thinner, it's got, no, it's got no rim on it, it doesn't look sexy, right? You look at it, you're like, my goodness, what's going on? And my daughter literally says to me, Daddy, how long is that tire going to be on our car? And I believe that many people live like that. They've actually lost a bit of hope. They've lost some hope and they don't know how to get hope. And I want to bring a word to you today that will literally... I believe infuse you with hope, but also allow you to tap into the God of hope because I want to tell you today, listen, you might be here today and you're like, Anthony, I don't want to get my hopes up because if I get my hopes up, I know I'm going to get disappointed. But I want to say to you today that you need your hope up. You need your car to be filled, all four tires, so that you can do this life, uh, this faith life, and it will go down sometimes. You will get disappointed sometimes. I've been around the block long enough to know you will get disappointed. That's why you need hope. That's why you need God. 
That's why you need good things. Can I get a good amen? amen. Exodus chapter 1 verse 22. Moses is born really at a terrible time to be a Hebrew. They are enslaved and they have been for about 350 years when he is born. They are enslaved for 430 years total. And the Bible says this, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. How many of you ever heard someone say about the society that we now live in, has it ever been worse? Don't you want to slap that person? Because they definitely didn't listen in history class. If you just read the Bible, if you read about World War I and World War II, we actually live at an incredible time. But you can get around some people and they would actually tell you that it's a devastating time. Which part of season of life are you in? Like let God fill you with hope so you actually believe that we're at a good time of life. Like thank God you weren't born back then. The Bible says then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that's born, you must throw into the Nile. And the parents of Moses, literally, for three months, they keep him, they hide him, and then they literally push him into a basket, and he floats down the stream, and they watch what happens, and Pharaoh's daughter begins to pick up Moses, and literally says, you know, I'll take him into my palace. And for the next 40 years, Moses lives a pimped out life. Moses is rich. Moses is balling. Moses is like he is, he is literally a, a prince of Egypt and potentially in years to come would become the Pharaoh and potentially would be worshipped. But at 40 years old, he's so tired and sick of seeing his own Hebrews get the worst end of the deal that he gets so mad at a man and he kills him. And instead of the Hebrews thinking that Moses had come to save them, one, one snitches on him, one dobs on him. And he becomes on the most wanted list of Pharaoh. Like if you think of the FBI's most wanted list, it was Moses. And he departs from the country. He literally has to leave power, prestige, opulence and goes into another nation where he becomes a sheep and goat herder. That's a fall. Like if you are going to be worshipped and now you take care of bah, even goats, eh. I don't know if they make any different noises, but it sounds like bear and it sounds like eh. <laughs> and for 40 years, the Bible says that he is a shepherd and he's lost hope and hope is so low that he literally names his son, I am a foreigner in a foreign land. Like he didn't name him George or Bob or he names him, I'm a foreigner, which says you're pretty low on hope. And as parents, you and I need to speak hope and life into our children and not allow the pain of our own world to actually prophesy into them. Moses is at such a low point that he is prophesying that life's tough for me. Yeah. Someone say, but God. but God. Come on, say, but God. but God. But God and God shows up to him and gives him an incredible word that he was to come and he was to be the deliverer. And the passion that he had to set the Hebrew people free was actually an authentic passion. He just got the wrong timing of it. But now God sends him and God sends him to the Israelites and he does some signs and wonders and now all of a sudden they believe in him. And then he goes to Pharaoh. You're bold when you go back to Pharaoh and you're on the FBI's list of most wanted and you literally tell him, I see three million people that you have enslaved by the way, let them go. How many know that's a slightly difficult conversation? Yeah. You came to church today like, oh, I'm proud of myself. I'm full of faith. What? 
get in front of Pharaoh and say, let him go. And that was at a time that it's not like a prime minister or a president. And maybe they put you into jail and maybe they say, you know what, judge, deal with him. They literally just go, hey, take his head off. And the Bible says this, that when he asks Pharaoh to let the people go, Pharaoh makes it harder for them. And the Bible says this, Next verse, guys, says this, Exodus chapter 5, verse 20 to 21. They found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. This is the, uh, the leaders of Israel. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. What? I just came to give you hope. I just came to set you free. I just came to be a blessing in your life. And literally the people you came to help literally said, may God judge you. Have you ever tried to help someone? And you thought you were doing them a favor? Have you ever tried to give them hope? I remember going to a... Newark one time and a couple of people from our church went we went to go give jackets and food to people and I was determining should I give something to this one guy who's in a wheelchair and I'm like you know you watch people and you wonder is this the guy I should give some stuff to and he wheels over to me he says why are you staring at me I was like oh I don't know I just, did you want some pizza and he wheeled away and he was mad at me and wanted to fight me and I was like I just came to help you do you want a jacket? <laughs> like I was there to help. And Moses is there to help. And the people get mad at him. And you might have felt like that in leadership sometimes. I'm here to help you. And the people you're here to help get mad at you. Amen. And watch this now. And the people turned on him. And Moses goes back to God. Someone say, go back to God. Back to God. Watch this now. Verse 22 says this. Moses returned to the Lord. Someone say, return again. Return God again. gives him hope again. God gives him mission again. He's 80 years old. He goes in. He does signs and wonders. And then the people complain. Now he goes back to God. He returns to God. And watch this now. He says, why, Lord, why have you brought me trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Have you noticed that he's not positive right now? Are you catching that? And then he goes on to say this, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble on his people and you have not rescued your people at all. In other words, I'm here to serve you, God, and it's got worse. And I want to say to you today that God is bigger than your whininess. God is bigger than complaints sometimes that are authentic complaints. He's like, you sent me and this sucks. And God is bigger than your whininess. See, I believe it's better to be real with God than give God the silent treatment. Yes. Too many Christians, they get disappointed with God. And they're like, I'm not even talking to you anymore, Lord. And you act as if he can't handle your little complaint. You can't handle your little disappointment. He wants you to bring the disappointments to him. He has an answer. He has a strategy. He has a hope for you. Can I get a good amen? And Moses goes back to God and every time he goes back to God, he gets hope again and he gets strategy again. He gets the word of the Lord again. So the, the Nile turns into blood and there's 10 different plagues. Frogs go over the land, lice go over the land. And every time he literally goes back to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, no. And every time he then returns to the Lord for another answer and he gets disappointed again. And then he returns to the Lord and gets hope again. And then he goes back to Pharaoh, signs and wonders, and then he gets disappointed again. And then he gets hope again. It's like a trampoline. 
It's up and it's down. I see my kids and they're ding, ding, ding. This is the life of Moses. Hope, discouragement. Hope, discouragement. Hope, discouragement. How many of you know, but if you keep on bouncing, you keep on getting back? Yeah. How many need a little bounce in your step? Yeah. Exodus 14 says this, that you and of Israel have literally been delivered from the nation of Egypt. They are literally moving into the promised land and then one thing goes wrong and watch this. Verse 11, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us? By bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How many know that you might have been Moses and said, God, just kill them. I mean, he's been doing it a while now, miracle after miracle, sign after sign. You just got out of Egypt. And at the first crossing that goes wrong, literally they're whining to you again. And Moses continually had to go from God, get hope again, go back, give a solution, get discouraged again. And then he had to go back and return to the Lord again. Let me assure you of this. Get your hopes up, but your hopes sometimes will be disappointed. I'm not prophesying disappointment, but I just know life that sometimes it doesn't all go your way. But I know where to get hope again. And I know how to come back to God again. And you need to learn how to come back to God again, whether you've been knocked down. You need to be right like Rocky Balboa. You need to get back up again and be like, yo, Adrian, yo. See, I believe the best is yet to come for your life, but you need to get that in your spirit. See, Moses could have been disappointed. Here's the thing. Moses could have been disappointed if he didn't get hope again for the rest of his life. The, The danger of not getting hope again is you live cynical. The danger of not getting hope again is you live discouraged. The the danger of, of not getting hope again is you just say, Anthony, I'm a realist. You need to slap the realist in you sometimes. And you need to go get hope again. You see, when a marriage loses hope, it is destroyed. It's not about realism. It's about restoring hope. But let me say this. Point number one is this. I believe that hope is active. It is not a wish. He didn't go back to God and say, God, fix it. Hear me now. God told him how to fix it. Sometimes we come to God and go, God, fix my finances. Oh, Lord, fix them. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh, oh. he's like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do with this one? See, asking God to fix and rain something down on you. Rain, just rain. And then you go to the lottery and buy a $4 ticket. Oh Lord, I had someone tell me this one time. They said, Anthony, I entered the lotto and, and if we win, I told the Lord, I give him 20%. <laughs> Which I, if you win, I hope you do. That's a different story. They were really wishing their finances got better. Hope is active. Hope 
is active. Moses did not go back to God and just wait for God to do it. God would give him a strategy. God gives a strategy in leadership. God gives a strategy in business. God gives a strategy in relationships. Hear me me now. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. That's the hope. So keep loving. It says, wives, respect your husbands. That's the hope. That's the strategy. So if I keep loving and someone keeps respecting, guess what? Good things happen. I think too many people are just praying that their marriage improves instead of doing something about it. A week of breakfast in bed will make it better. Some people are praying for 30 years instead of doing seven days of breakfast. Just trying to sow some seeds in Jesus' name. Just trying to sow some seeds in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been guilty before of passive hope. Passive hope says, God, do it. God, fix it. God, everything. But God speaks to Moses. And literally when the children of Israel are whining, he says, Moses, watch this now. Why are you crying out to me? Stretch out your hand. Exercise your faith. Do something. Hope is actually active. A biblical hope is active. If you want to be healthy, don't hope. Don't wish. Do something about it. If you want your faith to flourish, don't hope it flourishes. Get your butt in the house of God and it will flourish. I was at the gym yesterday and I saw up on the screen college football. How many of you know college football is like pumped? Like energy. Woo! Like, ah! It's just, it's next level, right? Saturday, college football day. The crowd is hoping their team wins. Wishing their team wins. If you're a New York, New Jersey person, obviously you know that sometimes the New York and New Jersey crowd, when it comes to the Yankees perhaps, or the New York Knicks perhaps, is one of the most critical crowds. They hope for a good season, but by game three, if you've lost all three, they've already thrown in the towel on you. (laughs) Because the reality is that the crowd wishes. But it's very different from a coaching perspective and a player's perspective. The players don't wish. Their hope is active. It's goal orientated. It's moving forward. It's effort. It's energy. It's we fail, we get back up again. I believe a, a, a wave of hope will come to your life. But you need to position yourself in the right place. Sometimes we want God to do it all. But I want to say this also. That I believe that God ties hope into relationships. Let me give you a point number two today. Where are you, point number two? I got to hope I can find it. Number two, here we go. Hope is infused through relationships. Sometimes you come to church, you're like, God, do it, God, do it. And God's presence is filled with hope. It's filled with peace. But many times he comes or through a person. What did he do to Israel? He sent a person, Moses. When you need hope, how many know the worst thing you can do is disconnect from people? They are the carriers of hope. They are the instigators of hope. God did not send himself. He sent Moses. Moses. And then he gives him Aaron. And then he gives him leaders. And you and I are to be dealers of hope. You've heard of drug dealers, but let's become a hope dealer. Let's be an encourager. Let's come alongside people. Listen, let's say, let's run through this building. 
Sometimes you need someone in your life and you've been running and it feels like you're running against a wall and you need someone else to just come alongside you and say, come on, one more time, you can run through that wall. Or maybe you need someone else who's a little bit more strategic and say, why don't we build a, a, a door through that wall and open it and then it'll hurt less. Or maybe you need to dig under the wall. Maybe you need to climb over the wall. Maybe you need to get a ladder and get over that wall. See, leaders are hope dealers. Christians are to be hope dealers. You are not just a leader because you show up. You're a leader because you came with hope. And the worst thing that could happen is a a marriage or a family or a business or a church loses hope. You know, there's there's a very listened to podcast and leadership article that I was listening to a while ago. And I just, to be honest, like he was talking about trends, society trends and, and church attendance trends and, and that people are coming less to church and all these kinds of things. And as he was, he's, a, he's an expert in the field of church and leadership. To be honest, I just stopped listening to him because I just found that I don't need to hear about what the current trends are. I need to see champions being born. I need to see men and women rising up. I need to see men transforming. I need to see women being resilient. I need to see youth on fire for God, fearless for God. I need to see kids with big faith. I need to see champions. And we need a church seeing champions. Come on, somebody. Because the truth is that our church has never been better. But it was smaller back in the day. And if I kept believing the report of church attendance is shrinking, I'm like, church attendance is shrinking. There's giants in the land. There's always giants in the land. But you need to have a Caleb and Joshua spirit that sees that God is for you. God is not against you. I could give you statistics on marriage and this one has an affair, this one has an affair, marriages break up. Why would the statistics on marriage affect my marriage? Like, why would it? Because the, the reality of the situation is individual leadership matters. So I need to individually lead myself well. I need to lead my family well. And I need to lead my church well. But if I allow the doom and gloom of out there, do you know that what happens in business? If you have enough bad stories, it actually rings true. People go, the economy, the economy. What's going to happen with the economy, the economy? And if everyone believes the bad report, guess what? It actually happens. If you were all of a sudden like, oh, TD Bank is going to go down, TD Bank is going to go down. And if we just told enough people that TD Bank was going to go down, if you were part of TD Bank, you're like, I better go down to my bank and I better get my money out. And all of a sudden it becomes a prophetic word to you. Are you with me? You know, Paul's in prison and he's full of hope. Which means that your situation does not have to determine your spirit. Um, none of you are in prison right now. I noticed. <laughs> I'm pretty observant. But the guy that instilled hope into perhaps more people outside of Jesus wrote it from a prison wall, which meant his spirit was not contained 
by his circumstances. He was so filled with hope that hope had to bust out. Hope had to trickle over. And I believe even in this place that if we'll fill enough hope into people, if we'll fill enough hope into this place, this building will be too small to contain it. Why? Because people are so filled with hope because hope is attractive. Hope is good looking. Hope, even if it's, even if things are bad, you're like, why do you have hope? Don't be a drug dealer, be a hope dealer. Let me say that one more time. Do not be a drug dealer. Be a used to be dealer. Be a hope dealer. I was talking to two different guys from our transform groups this week. One of them had been praying and there was a person very close to them and and it felt like the Lord spoke to his heart prayed about it for a few days and he felt like he was to give away his one of his cars to this guy and he shared the story with me and I was like you know how's things been since and how's you know your finances been since he's like man God is just opening up doors and so forth how many know that if someone gives you a car you just got filled with a little bit more hope and then what's interesting is that the person who gives it away Literally, when God begins to answer, literally going, oh my goodness, God is a God of hope. And He leads you. I was talking to someone else and they were talking about someone who's who's going through a very difficult situation and they said, Pastor, I'm just trying to be there for him and pray for him and, and I'm just trying to infuse hope into this situation. You know, recently there was, a, I think it was called the um, Are You Okay Day and talking about, I know, I don't know him personally, but I heard of a pastor that ended his life in America, actually two And unfortunately, I come from a country that, weirdly enough, as beautiful as Australia is and as much potential as it seems to have, it's interesting that many times, actually statistically in Australia, the suicide rate is very high. And the the amazing thing about that is that it looks like a place of incredible hope. But somehow on the inside of people, they've robbed hope. And you and I to be dealers in hope and encouragers in hope and connected to hope. Paul tells Timothy, listen, Timothy, listen, the funny thing about the Bible, let me show you this one scripture. Let me, let me try to wrap this thing up. Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says this. It says this, mark this, there'll be terrible days. Someone say terrible. Terrible. Paul tells Timothy there's going to be terrible days. Then later in the verse, he says, bring Mark with you so he is helpful in my ministry. Because if, if Paul has lost hope, why does he bring someone else to help him in the ministry? It's, it's twofold. There will be terrible days. That was the history of the last 2,000 years. There's been some terrible days. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. So which is it? Is it terrible or is God going to pour out his spirit? It's actually a bit of both. God is going to pour out his spirit. And the reason he pours out his spirit is so that you don't be overcome by terrible days. But you have a spirit that overcomes. You and I need a spirit that overcomes the the bad things of our life, the terrible things of our life. Because sometimes one foul day in our life can end up becoming the song of our life. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now I need a place to hide away. I know, I'll sing a few for you later. (laughs) Let me say this. Can I have the worship team to come back? 
I pray that this house is a house of hope. I believe this, church, listen to me. If you'll position yourself in the right place, God is sending waves of hope. I, I, I prophesy that God is sending waves of hope, but you have to position yourself within that to receive that. God wants you to catch it. It's a surf report. Have you ever heard of a surf report? The surf report says there's waves coming at one foot or there's waves coming at three foot or there's waves coming at 10 feet. And when it gets six foot and eight feet and stuff, surfers get all excited. Like, oh my gosh, they're coming. And I just want to tell some people who like surfing spiritually, not physically, because that's not enough of you. I want to tell you today, there's a wave coming. And you need to position yourself in that place. You need to position yourself. And this isn't hype. It's hope. It's founded on the person of Christ. It's not just positive thinking. No, you're actually going to need hope again and again, but you're going to be like Moses. You're going to keep on going back to God and you're going to return to God. You're going to return to right relationships and you'll be filled with hope. And you won't just be filled with hope. You'll give out hope. Come on in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand. Will you stand to your feet for a moment? Have you received that word? Come on, close your eyes. All across this place, Father, I pray for every person. Every person within the sound of my voice right now. If you would, even just open your heart, hands to heaven as a sign of surrender. And just believe that God's going to fill you with hope. Right now, as your people respond to you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill your people with hope in their minds, hope in their spirits, hope in their families, hope in their business, hope in the eternality of who you are, the immutability of who you are, the unchangingness of God. I pray you'd fill each one with hope. And I pray we wouldn't be a church of a third a cup of hope or half a cup of hope, but we'd be a house and we'd be a people that are filled with hope. And Lord, we know the ties will go down sometimes. And I thank you, Lord, that we always have an ability to come back to you, to come back to people, to come back to your word, to come back to the presence of God and to be filled with hope again. Infuse, I pray, dreams in this place based on the reality of who you are. I thank you, Father. All across this place, People in a moment of prayer, Christians are praying. If you've never met Christ before, the Bible calls him the anchor of our hope. He is a living hope. He is the God of hope and he'll fill you with joy and he'll fill you with forgiveness. If you're in this place and you've never reconciled your relationship with God, I want to tell you, don't hope in your own works. Don't hope in your own religion. Don't hope in your own righteousness. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us will make it to heaven by our own righteousness. Heaven is a perfect place. But God has invited every single one of you. He is the hope of your life. And if we'll hang on to Him, the Bible says that we will be saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. It says you shall be saved. So I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment and that prayer is going to be an invitation for people to say yes to Christ or if you've really run away from Him, you know you're not with Him or you're just unsure about your relationship with God, I'm going to ask you to pray in this moment and just to believe that God's going to come in your life. Come on, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, thank You. You are my hope. You are my living hope. You are my eternal hope. 
I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. I believe you have a plan for my life. I believe you have a hope for my life. So right now, I declare you are Lord. I am your child. Heaven is my home. God is my father. The word of God is my food. The house of God is my house. I put my faith in you right now. All across this place. If you prayed that, meant business with God, would you quickly slip up your hands, slip it up nice and high just so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Nice and high, nice and high, nice and high. Just long enough so I can see it. Thank you. Those hands going up all across this place. Man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands going up today. That's awesome today. You can put that down. Father, I just thank you for every man, every woman. I pray even as people leave this place, I pray there'd be pictures of hope. Hope for a brighter future. Hope to be free of addiction. Hope to be healthy relationships. Hope to serve you with all their heart. I pray there will be a Holy Spirit impartation of hope and that people will position themselves to ride that wave in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand? Come on, can we give those people a hand that responded to Christ? If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.